In this week's parsha, we're going to read uh, and it's called, it's referred to by its name Baha, Baha meaning Baha Sinai, on the mountain of uh, Sinai. Of course, the first question that we, uh, we ask here, and which all the other commentators uh, raise, is the, is why does it say, the word Baha'u Sinai, and then goes on to discuss the rules concerning uh, Israel. I mean, there were many other rules and uh, laws that were given on Mount Sinai. Why does it say on Mount Sinai, and it then goes on to discuss uh, rules concerning the uh, the earth of Israel, whereas you have uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and all of the other important Ten Commandments, and yet the Torah discusses the idea of um, of the laws concerning Israel, which we shall shortly discuss, but to uh, begin and make the connection so that we can uh, raise somewhat the, our level of consciousness. The Zohar on this on this particular uh, verse it says Bore Aretz and because the Jews had entered the land, Lonim Saba Dinim Tachtonim Dinim Dinukva. And because the uh, the Jews at this time, they have not yet entered the land of Israel. But because Jews, when they will enter the land of Israel, no longer will there be found dinim tachtonim, judgment, harsh judgment. The, uh, the kind of uh, ways of life that we all experience that we're not happy with. I mean, if there's a little chaos in our lives, obviously we're not happy with that kind of uh, judgment. Although, in the final analysis, since there are laws uh, and principles uh, that govern the universe, the laws and principles that we do not observe. But there are laws and principles that if one steals and no one saw him in the final analysis, that he will have to uh, make retribution. There's no question. Although we ourselves think that maybe when we do something and nobody else saw, it's not a question of, well, but see, God sees it's not a question of God seeing or God not seeing. As you all have learned in Kabbalah, God does not punish nor does he reward. It's, uh, it's the same idea as uh, putting your finger into a socket. You don't call that punishment of God. In other words, you've gone against the laws and principles of the universe. A human being cannot come in direct contact with uh, electrical current. Consequently, what is the result? The result is a shock. But this is this we would not classify as punishment from God. The idea of punishment from God is is an old religious uh, uh, concept, which uh, of course became uh, uh, corrupted as as time uh, moved on. Because uh, again, the essential feature is that um, that God is somewhere and. Uh, Sometimes I recognize him being there, sometimes I don't. 
But that has nothing to do, according to the Zohar, nothing to do with uh, with the idea of reward and punishment as as most people understand it. But rather, if if the uh, there are rules in in this universe and which govern our actions, so if there is a little chaos in our lives. <coughs> While we can always find to whom we can attribute the cause, it's always somebody else, obviously. It's not never uh, ourselves that may have uh, triggered, may have initiated this kind of uh, reaction. But nevertheless, this is what is known as dinim, dinukva. This is the rules that there is judgment. There is judgment in the world. I just explained where this judgment comes from, but nevertheless, there is judgment. Zoa says that when the Jews enter the land of Israel, as if these rules of judgment, the rules of judgment, do not apply. And the uh, in the in the temple there was the ark and the kruvim. Uh, without going into that idea, but in any event, there was menucha. What does it mean, menucha? Rest, and that's how he's leading into. It's always leading us into the uh, subject that is being discussed in this week's parsha. Rest. And what does rest mean? Now, again, uh, as you've learned in the classes, but we must re- repeat. The idea of rest is not something of a uh, of a uh, to be understood within the within the framework of a uh, of uh, physicality. Meaning rest, uh, one can rest in bed and, and yet to be uh, uh, being traumatized by by thoughts of uh, tomorrow he or today he has to get up and and, and face some situations. So the fact that he's resting, physical rest is not something that removes chaos from our lives. So obviously, he's referring to another idea, which is called rest. All right? So now, we'll go to the particular. This is what the, this is what the beginning, and most of this section this week is referring to. So he says, I'll speak unto the Jews and tell them that when they come to the land, that I will give them, and the earth should rest for there is Shabbat to God. Six years six years are you to work the fields, to sow, plant, etc. And you, uh, in those years, you will uh, gather on all the uh, wheat, etc. Shabbat Shabbaton Shabbat And you, on the seventh year, you have to, you have to leave the fields fallow. And from this, we learn that uh, it's a good idea. It's a good idea to leave the fields uh, fallow. In other words, even Farmers know that today from experience. This is the way some sages have rationalized the idea of leaving the fields fallow. Because after all, like a, like a human machine, it just it can go and operate 
until such time that it requires a rest. So the human being, if he continually works, uh, then of course there will be a breakdown in the machine. It requires a rest. Yet we we know that uh, contrary, contrary to this, uh, to uh, to the idea of vacations and so on. We know sometimes people go away on a vacation. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've left their problems behind. They have taken them with them on vacation. So the vacation didn't wind up to be one that was uh, anticipated. Vacation is not, according to the Zohar, to be construed as something, as something that, that consists of within the physical framework of rest, of rest, physical rest. We know even according to the, uh, to, according to the halakha, according to the rule, that when we're discussing resting on Shabbat, uh, it does not mean that, that uh, the person must physically rest, must lie in bed, must refrain from doing work. Uh, a waiter is an example, as you have learned is one who is permitted to work on the Shabbat. No problem. Well, he's working. The sweat might be, it might be coming down from the brow, and uh, he may not have one moment of uh, rest other than to sleep a few hours uh, at night. And yet, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong, because the, the concept of working in no way applies, says according to the Zohar, no way applies to... To, to something of a physical content. Now, what is what is uh, the idea of rest? And now, what about the what about the land? What do you mean, leave the land fallow? Okay, uh, they found that if you don't continue to uh, plow the land incessantly, it produces better fruit. Is that the is that the rule at all times? The answer is no. Some fields can be can be worked here in this country and some fields even if you let it fallow for 10 years it's still not going to produce the kind of fruit that we would like to see from from the resting of the uh, of the uh, fields therefore the Zohar in these few words explains what the concept of rest means what it says with someone who does not observe these rules someone who does not observe the uh, Shabbat because it's the same it's the same word that is now being used for the fields why does the field need a rest why does the field need a rest if indeed the idea of a Shemitah which is the uh, Hebraic ter- or the biblical term used for uh, the year of rest the field must remain must remain fallow throughout this year. And yet, it's a specific year. One cannot choose which day or which year he's going to provide rest for the, for the fields. In other words, if the concept remained within, within a framework of physicality, meaning the land must rest so that he can choose any, any year he'd like, to keep the field fallows, as 
They do here in the United States, but in Israel, if you're familiar with the uh, with the uh, uh, the way the uh, religious people there at least uh, conform to this concept, is that there is every seventh year, and they know which is the seventh year. It is a particular year. In other words, if someone would leave the fields fallow uh, on the fourth year uh, of a cycle, that would not conform to the principles laid down here in the Torah. Well, they say this is uh, the uh, this is the um, this is the religious connotation, like Shabbat. One must observe the Shabbat. What does it mean? He should observe the Shabbat. He should not desecrate the Shabbat. If he doesn't follow the rules of Shabbat, he then desecrates Mechalel Shabbat. And, uh, I mentioned last week the word Mechalel mentioned in the Torah does not mean desecrate. It comes from the word halal, vacuum, vacuum. And there too, a corruption set in. How do you, how do you correspond, how do you reconcile the word halal, to desecrate, with the word halal, which means vacuum, which means vacuum. When the Zohar, when the Zohar, says that in this year, in this year, and another idea, when, when did this idea of, of, of uh, keeping the, the fields fallow begin or start? When the Jews entered the land of Israel. Well, what does it have to do with when they entered the land of Israel? I mean, were, the, were these fields worked upon before they weren't left fallow until until David uh, conquered the, the entire land of Israel and then the rules began yes when the rules began says the Zohar not before if again the idea of Shemitah leaving the, the fields fallow originated with the Jew entering the land of Israel obviously something else is involved the Jew now came into Israel. Now the rules of of, of uh, laying the uh, field fallow begins. Well, what happens? Maybe they've been worked on now for twenty years. The moment they entered, they should now begin the process of of leaving the fields maybe fallow for a year, two or three. No, the fact that the Jew entered the land of Israel, the laws of Shemitah begin. What about the laws of thou shalt not kill? When did that start? Start the day the, uh, the Jew on Mount Sinai received this particular commandment. It didn't begin when they entered Israel. Somehow, here, here, concerning the land of Israel, when did the rules that apply to the land of Israel begin? When they came into that country, it, it, it did not apply. Well, it didn't apply because they weren't there, obviously. So one might say that, uh, well, that's the reason. No, but that's not true. They were given this, this law on Mount Sinai as well. And when it says, when you will come, did it mean from a, from a physical point of view? Well, you know, until you enter the land of Israel, of course, it doesn't apply. 
until someone recognizes there is something uh, called money, uh, if he doesn't know there is such a thing as money, of course, even though it says thou shalt not steal money, let's say, uh, so therefore then, because he doesn't know what money is about, therefore, the concept of thou shalt not steal doesn't exist. And we don't, we certainly uh, do not understand this concept in that frame of reference. The laws were given on Mount Sinai. As it says, on Mount Sinai, although it specifically refers to the land of Israel concerning Mount Sinai, although there are other rules. And here is, is a very subtle and yet very valid and uh, deep, deep revelation concerning our universe. Certainly for those who uh, are not farmers living in Israel, and what about people living outside of Israel, don't even own any land in Israel? You mean, what do we do with this week's uh, section? We just avoid it because it doesn't apply. Just learning a couple of laws that, uh, that concern a matter that does not affect us. Obviously, as we have learned on many other occasions, what is written here or any, any other section in the Torah applies to everyone everywhere. And it affects everyone everywhere. Well, if this is talking and discussing the rules of Israel, the land of Israel, how, how does that apply to us here? But getting back, so there are several questions that we're going to address this morning. Getting back to this idea as to why, why the land of Israel did not fall under the rules mentioned here about lying fallow and so on until, until the, the, uh, the Jew entered the domain until David captured the land and now it was in the possession in the possession of uh, of the Jews and when that happened and when that happened says the Zohar judgment judgment no longer existed meaning although there is judgment in the world there is chaos in the world which is another word for judgment there is chaos, and yet, when the Jew entered Israel, this concept of menucha, the concept of of uh, of rest, the concept of of relief, came into came into uh, into existence. Not before then, not before then. So let let us understand. The, uh, the essential feature of what it means by Shabbat Lashem Mamash. When it says Shabbat Lashem, says the Zohar, it says it's a Shabbat Lashem. Shabbaton, uh, Shabbat Lashem. In the, in the second verse. Because it's a, it's a time of rest to God. What, what does it mean? And the Zohar says, make no mistake. We are not discussing about the people. We're not even discussing about the land. 
It's a Shabbat Lashem Mamash. To the life force of God. To the Tetragrammaton. There is no judgment. Because it's the light force. The light force. The energy. That we know in this universe. That propels the positive pole. And the negative pole. In other words. Energy is energy. How you apply that energy. One can apply this energy to a gun. To a, uh, to a system of mass destruction. Where's the energy for executing mass destruction come from? Where's the energy come from? What propels, what initiates these various physical methodologies of destruction, if not from the light force of God? Where does attributes of, of, of uh, beneficence, studying, uh, producing a beautiful... Uh, Something producing food. Where is the energy for for the food to grow, to come up after planting a seed? You suddenly have growth. Where does that come from? One source, the energy source of, the, of of God. So it is not God that is either creating chaos or creating uh, benefits for the for mankind, but rather the application. The application. The energy is the energy force of God. Yes, nothing operates without that energy force. However, how it becomes manifest becomes secondary, not primary. Primary is the state of energy of God. That is only, as we've learned in the classes, to share. How it becomes manifest is left to the people. How they manifest it. Do they manifest it in forms of chaos? And not only in methods of, uh, of, uh, of uh, armaments that destroy, but the energy that one has towards his wife, one has towards his friend, one has uh, towards, uh, towards people, negative energy or positive energy. Again, this is the, uh, the application of the force of God. This is what, this is what initiates Whatever activities we are involved with, whether it be positive or negative, again, originates with one source, and that's the source and energy of God. We apply it either in a negative way or we apply it in a positive way. But it is not God. It is not God that, uh, that creates the benefits that we reap, or is it God that creates the devastation and chaos that we also experience and meet up with in our lives. When the, when the Torah says this is a, a time of rest for God, time of rest, rest in, in, uh, in the frame that the Zohar refers to as Menucha, as menucha, and relating it to uh, vacuum means a concept that only, only in this century, only in this century could we even begin to understand the idea of Michalel Shabbat. Only in this century. Only. And 
only because I have read a great deal. I what I'm what I'm going to share now, according to the Zohar, is is a concept maybe might be a little too difficult to understand. I don't mean in, in the capacity of our minds, but rather it's a concept that uh, we're just not familiar with. Not familiar with. Something called space. What is space? Here's space. What is that? What is that? Between the table and the chair. The space between me and the chair. Space. What is this space? What is it? Is it just that? It's also a vacuum. What does a vacuum mean? A vacuum means uh, you can have a tube and you create a vacuum in the tube. But again, it's in the framework of physical, physicalness. Here's a vacuum between this table. Is a vacuum, an empty space. Empty space. Empty space. To, to define it means the absence, the absence of the physical revealment of the light force of God. In that place, in that place, the force of God is not felt, is not, is not, one does not reap the benefits wherever there is empty space. Empty space, in one word, is mankind's enemy. What is dinim? What is judgment? What is chaos? If you'd ask me, what is chaos? Well, chaos means when uh, in Bosnia there's chaos. So I, I refer to a particular area where we can all understand what's going on there, suffering, pain, etc. That's chaos. Does chaos always relate to a, a condition where there is physical violence? No. A person can be very happily married, full of content, yet he now doesn't have the ability to provide his family with bread. Is that chaos? Yes. Another form of chaos. And we can go on and on and on and on. So there are different forms of chaos. And the answer is no. There is no such thing as, as chaos being, being displayed or, or, or manifested because we become uncomfortable. Vacuum is chaos. Vacuum. And once we begin to understand this idea of vacuum, then we understand what the Torah is about. Then we understand what our problem is about. And then we can understand how to achieve the solution. Because as long as we do not understand the problem, as long as we do not have a definition for what we consider to be chaos, and chaos has, has, uh, has maybe, uh, has an infinite number of infinite number of manifest, manifested states. In fact, chaos is relative. 
the market is going to crash. Chaos. Everyone says that's chaos. Well, there are those who will be making money while the market goes down. So chaos is even a relative term. Chaos. The Nazis were destroyed. For them, it's chaos. For others, great. Finally, the end, the end of, of this menace. Chaos is all, is a relative term. Chaos is not a definition. It's not a definition to be defined as something of a physical nature, which doesn't appeal to me. It does not, it is Satan providing us with a confusion, with a confusion of the issue. Not to begin to understand how, how we can remove chaos, how we can remove the problems that the United States faces, the economic problems, insurmountable. On a physical level, as I've said before, there is no, no solution. No solution if we recognize the problem and with, with whatever, whatever means are taken to remove this chaos, it'll never be accomplished. You say, why not? Because they do not understand. We do not understand. What is the problem? What do you mean what the problem is? People are out of work. Again, we begin to define chaos as what? People out of work. That's our definition. Now, for chaos. Before we can even begin to think of the solution, we must clearly define the problem. Only when you have a, a clear definition of the problem, then the Zohar says, the answer follows almost by itself. Almost without effort. You mean when you understand the problem? That's enough? Yes, that's enough. How could that be enough? How could my recognition of the problem be sufficient enough to remove the problem. But needless to say, first we must define the problem. How, how the understanding of the problem and how, how the, the, uh, a clear definition of the problem is already, the so in fact, the solution, is already the solution, we shall understand from the Zohar. So, we have a de definition for lechalel et shabbat. It does not mean to desecrate. It means creating a vacuum. It is the opposite of menucha. Tranquility, peace, only definitions, but the word menucha, the word shabbat, is the definition. This is what is to be achieved. Because Shabbat Lashem, as you have learned again in the classes, what is the internal character of the energy force of God, the light force of God? Menucha. Menucha means what? No movement. No movement. That's what Menucha means. No movement. 
Imagine if there was no space, again, using the idea of 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 lechalel uh, to desecrate, not meaning desecrate, but vacuum. If there were no vacuums, how long would it take me from Los Angeles to get to California, uh, to New York? How long? No time. There's no vacuum, no space. Space is chaos. Again, we remember now the definition. Space is the chaos, and we'll, we'll see how it refers to to uh, to our mundane life. But at the moment, we, we have a definition. Space, halal, is contrary to the peace of the light force. Space, empty space. If the empty space did not exist, there would be no chaos in the world. If empty space did not exist, there would be no chaos, because chaos means empty space. It requires, my, if I have a, a, a store or a factory or, or my place of employment is downtown Los Angeles, a little chaos in my life. Little. What is the chaos? I have to go through the traffic. It takes me time to get there. But if there was no empty space, empty space means a definition of one place being separated from the next. If there was no empty space. And that's how we can begin to even understand uh, a concept already stated in the Torah that when Jacob left and, and fled from his brother Esau, and he rested, and he rested on a place, lie down, rested. And God says, the land that you are resting on will be yours. And of course, all the commentators ask, how, how much space can... Um, can Jacob occupy that God now is, is promising him that the promised land, Israel, now will belong to your children. How much space can he occupy? Says the Zohar that he brought together the whole land of Israel, the whole land of Israel, and it rested, and it rested under the physical body of of uh, Yaakov of Jacob. How how do you condense? How do you condense this whole land of Israel and it becomes a pinpoint? Without getting into physics, and I'm not familiar with physics, but today it is known in physics that a human being consists of ninety nine percent. Empty space. An atom. An atom. The little atom. The nucleus. In relation to the space that the uh, the atom occupies. This empty space is worlds. Although we're talking now of one, one pinpoint of an atom. Space, 
when it's condensed, according to the Zohar, as it was in the case of Yaakov, condensed, no longer was there empty space, then what did it mean? Everything became small? That what he was promising Yaakov? He was promising him a land, as the Zohar says, without dinim, without judgment, without chaos. What does that mean? A land without empty space. A land without empty space. Again, this is their words. Uh, it's a very subtle concept, and uh, but it's so essential that we know and understand this concept because when we do understand that concept, then and only then can we have control of that that entity known as empty space, that entity, that entity known as chaos, because we have a clear definition of what is chaos in our lives. Whatever is bothering us at this very moment is a form of chaos. If we're not satisfied with something, we're not at rest with ourselves, we're not at peace with ourselves, what's wrong? Well, then we go on to a discussion of what's wrong. Each one of us can tell another story. How long? How long will it take us for the whole world to discuss what their own particular chaos is? How can we address all of the chaos that exists in the world? We have one word. Space. Eliminate space. You have eliminated chaos because space and chaos is the same idea. Space is chaos. Defined on a physical level, most of, most of our problems relate to space. Without going into the details, most of our problems, when I say problems, I won't use the word problems, but most of our activities are taken up with empty space. Birthday of a child, a friend, you have to go to buy a present. It involves space takes up time to accomplish you can't accomplish you can't accomplish the objective because of what reason any objective any objective that we have is not accomplished instantaneously why there's a matter of space there's space in the world that exists is is the essence of chaos because it does not permit the realization of achieving an objective without going through the hassles of space. What is chaos? Not the result of which store is closed, I wanted to buy flowers, store is closed. Now I cannot achieve my objective. And a million other, million other uh, circumstances that, that will arise 
that I cannot achieve my objective. But if we want to know the root of the problem, is not that, well, I want to buy a present, but the store was closed. I wanted to buy a present, but they were out of what I wanted to buy for you. Whatever. Whatever. I had a meeting, an important meeting, to close some contract. Couldn't get there because flights were canceled, traffic didn't put, whatever. Space. It is not the result of, 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 of what we consider to be chaos, but rather one single word. Space. When, when God promised Jacob the land of Israel, what was so important about the land of Israel? So important about the land of Israel. We answer until today the energy center of the world. Therefore, therefore, at least in, in the synagogues of the of the center around the world, we never forget to hear it being announced. We're either at Joseph, Yosef at Sadiq, or we're at the place of the Holy Temple. We're not here. We're there. Why? Because that's the energy center of the world. That's the energy center of the world. But now we're beginning to understand from this Zohar, and then we will understand what this idea of being left fallow is referring to. Shabbat. Shabbat. And why only certain, certain things as planting, Shabbat, lighting a match, all of these physical prohibitions, why were they applied? Why were they applied? If you can't desecrate, if you can't desecrate the Shabbat, meaning it does not mean desecrating because how do you desecrate something yes on a building you can put a swastika on a building so you desecrate uh, the 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 synagogue that's the way they desecrate uh, they they remove the sefer torah and burn the sefer torah they desecrated the sefer torah this is the way we understand the word desecration the way we understand halal not to desecrate But the word halal remains what it means. And because of the lack of understanding, and because we cannot relate the word halal to Shabbat, I mean, so therefore we give it a corrupted name, a translation as desecration. It means do not create empty space. Do not create empty space. On the Shabbat. Do not create empty space. Do not create empty space in the land of Israel. Why? Because empty space 
is chaos. Space. Does that mean that on the seventh year or the seventh day, because the term for the earth is the same term as for the Shabbat, the seventh day of the week. How do they both relate? How how do we how do we reconcile the idea that when we discuss Shabbat, okay, you light a match, you smoke a cigarette, you're desecrating the Shabbat. But the land. What, what what are we doing with the land? What are we doing with the land? That we desecrate the land. You plow the land, you're not putting a swastika on the land. Even burning the land, you're allowed to burn the land, by the way, on, on, uh, on the seventh year, the year that is known as Shemitah, you're allowed. Not allowed to plant. Not allowed to sow the land. How is that considered halal? Desecration. Same idea. Desecration. When we understand, when the Zohar, only, only from the Zohar can we understand this, the significance of what the Torah wants to teach us and why, we'll get back to the original first question, why here concerning the land of Israel? So to say, Baha'u Sinai, when you are Mount Sinai, I gave you this. But he gave us many other laws, many other rules. In fact, he didn't even discuss on Mount Sinai. There was no discussion of the of the of the land, no discussion. And yet, the one place in the Torah when there was a discussion. Israel, God reminds us that on Mount Sinai, this is what I told you. He didn't even discuss this. He didn't even discuss the laws that apply to the land of Israel. He discussed, I am God, about Shabbat. He discussed, uh, honor thy father and thy mother. But he never, there was no discussion concerning the land of Israel. But if we understand That the opposite of chaos is the opposite of halal. When, when space is reduced or space is removed. Now we think we can't remove space. Uh, if I want to go to, uh, be on the beach, if I'm in New York and I want to come to the beach in, uh, in Santa Monica, I must take a plane, right? In the 20th century physics, what do they tell us? And I don't want to go into the explanation, although I understand it. But without going into the explanation, what does 20th century physics tell us? It took us 20 centuries after the Zohar to begin to, to begin to, not to understand, but to get some insight into what the Zohar is really all about and how the Zohar is our only salvation. Only salvation. I wish I could say there were others. I used to say they're one of them. One of the salvation. Say, I'm sorry to say it's the only one. The scientist says that when you're in New York, 
and you're going to do whatever you have to do in Los Angeles, and then you're going to go to the beach. When you come to the beach, ultimately, tomorrow, next week, you will be walking in the footsteps that you had already established a week ago or two weeks ago. The footsteps are there. Scientifically, mathematically, it's beyond any question. There's no dispute that when you come to the beach, you will be walking, you will be walking in your footsteps. <laughs> I didn't get that. What are you talking about? Footsteps on a beach? How could there be footsteps on a beach without you being there? Now, just to give you a little uh, encouragement that they don't understand that either. <laughs> so, you know, don't feel any form of depression. They don't understand what that means. But this is the, the math, mathematical equation of how they arrived at it, that you are walking in your footsteps. What they, what they haven't pursued with this idea is what? That with thought, what have you done? You have eliminated space. In one word, and this is the one word they haven't spoken about yet. What have you done? You've eliminated space, meaning in New York, you walked on the beach. Because of thought. Because of thought, you're walking on the beach. Well, how could I be in New York and walk on the beach at the same time? How can you be in two places at the same time? Well, the answer is, we see an astronaut, space by an astronaut already becomes condensed where, where he can travel the circumference of the Earth 24,000 miles in one hour. Well, if they can produce a plane, which they say they will shortly, that can travel 27,000 miles an hour. What have they done? Condensed space. No, they've reduced the time. Now, you see, this is the difference. Either you look at the glass half filled or half empty, right? When you look at a plane that can travel at 27,000 miles an hour, you either say, I reduced the space or I reduced the time it takes. Do they both mean the same thing? Yes and no. Yes and no. Just like when you look at a glass half empty or half full, you have learned, is it the same thing? No. It is the same thing. The glass didn't increase in substance or decrease in substance. Well, why, why is there a difference? So you've already learned what the power of the mind is. That the mind, when someone says it's half empty, is in a frame of negativity looking at things in a negative way, half empty. Whereas the other person, when he looks at that glass and says it's half full, he, he begins to see the ascension of it. The other one saw the descending of the water, the lowering of the cup in its, from its substance of water. When Rabbi Shimon says, 
when you en enter, doesn't say so in the Torah, but this is what the Zohar extracts from this verse. Only then, only then, there will be no empty space. There will be no empty space. When won't there be empty space? On the seventh year. What does it mean there won't be any empty space? So again, for over 2,000 years, we have learned, we have learned that the Torah and its prohibitions are commandments. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Don't. Burdening us. Burdening us with ideas that when the Torah says in the same, in the same chapter, when you leave the land fallow and then you're going to ask yourself, but how will I eat this year if there is no fruits and vegetables being grown on the land? In the seventh year, and if you will ask, where will the trees come from? Where will the fruits come from? How will I receive my nourishment? God, you want to take away my food? Don't you know this physical body requires food? God says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Now that God says, don't worry. But only a moment before, we raised the question. God, without food, there's no food. And you're telling me not to grow food, not to plant in this year. And now you assure me. But that's contrary to the physical laws and nature of, of this earth. If you don't plant, what happens if I don't plant in the fourth year, the third year? Will I have fruits? No. Now on the seventh year, you're asking me to accept a principle which runs contrary to daily living. That if you do not invest time in that field, nothing comes out of that field. Now you're telling me, but this year will be different. Why should this year be different? And so there is a doubt. Will there really be food? And he says, the food that you grow on the sixth year will be more than sufficient for all the other years because you do not plant in the seventh year. What's, what's the relationship? <clears throat> what's the relationship? If, if the land is to remain fallow, God, why? Why do you want the land to be fallow? Why? To give the idea of resting? If we are to apply the physical reasoning behind leaving a field fallow, like we do here and all over the world, then why choose this year? Choose any year. If it, if it, the concept behind leaving the fields fallow is to give it a rest, a physical rest, then why did he choose that day? Again, says the Zohar, when you leave the field fallow, because, because 
you don't work the fields, and we'll understand shortly what's wrong in working the fields. But it is not, it is not the, the rules of not working that are important. Although we have taken that to be of paramount importance. That's the significance of Shabbat. Don't desecrate it. The fields, leave it empty. No. Says the Zohar, because on this seventh day, it's a, a gift of God. What's the gift? While the eye may not experience, while the eye may not observe what's going on in the seventh day, in seventh year, or the seventh day, is that the phenomena of empty space disappearing takes place. On the seventh day, on the seventh year, Shabbat, there is no empty space. The world was created on the seventh day without empty space. That means I can be anywhere in the world on Shabbat. I can travel anywhere in the world without even getting off of my chair. Because the only reason I can't be wherever I'd like to be is because of space. Says the Zohar, there is no empty space in Shabbat. No empty space. You mean this here disappears? On Shabbat, let's be rational. There's no empty space. Who determines that the empty space is there, first of all? So, the eye, the conscious mind, sees the familiar surroundings that he observed from Monday to Friday. What took, what takes place? What takes place? But if the scientist again said that we'd be walking in our footsteps because by the mind, thought, thinking, we eliminate space. Can we eliminate space meanwhile during the six days of the week? The answer is no. On Shabbat, can we eliminate space? The answer is yes. But this space is still here. According to the scientists and according to the Zohar, if your rational mind sees space, then there's space. But if you understand what Shabbat is about, and Shabbat is the opportunity by which you can eliminate empty space, then the next six days of your life will operate on the principle of no empty space. When, when the Torah says, you will ask, if I leave the field fallow this year, what will I eat on the eighth year? From the sixth year, I'll eat in the seventh. But if I leave the fields fallow in the seventh, what will happen on the eighth? The answer is, it'll grow enough for the eighth. Okay. There'll be an extra blessing. You know what, God? I'm prepared and I'm willing to work the fields on the seventh year. Don't need your extra effort. And I'm happy to work on the seventh for the eighth. And you know, in the back of my mind, I'm still not so sure 
After all, I look at my fields, no fruits coming up, and you tell me I'll have fruit on the eighth year. What God is telling us is when you leave the, the fields fallow, what appears on a physical level as a, as an empty space, empty devoid of fruit, does not exist for you. Does not exist. Everything in your life, even when you plant, you need all the space to plant, bring the fruits to the market so you can sell it, so you can get money to buy clothes. All of these different ideas that up subsequently become manifest because of labor. It's when you go and you have a store and you sell a dress. What does that do? It doesn't put food on your table. When you sell a dress. And now you have the money. Does it put food on the table? No. You still have to go to the market, to the supermarket, and buy the food. The fact that you sold the dress still involves space. Whatever action you do. What happens if you plant? And what happens if you sow and you do all the requirements that the field finds it necessary to produce a tree or a, or a tree of oranges? Does it necessarily follow because you plant there will be a fruit? It requires space. From the time you plant, like from the time that you acquired money from the sale of that dress before you can have food it still requires space and along the way who knows what can happen someone can come and take that hundred dollars you just received for the dress and steal it so it's not even certain that with the hundred dollars you still have food on the table why? All of the space involved. But if the moment that I sold the dress, I could go to the market instantly and put the, put the food on the table all and condense that space. No problems. Then of course there's no problems. I'm not, I don't even have to walk out of this. I don't even have to, maybe I don't even have to sell the dress, but we'll say, we still think we have to have money in my hand. That, that's a security. We, we're still accustomed with how much money I still possess. Although today we know that you can possess fourteen and a half billion dollars, doesn't mean you really hold on to it. But it's in my account. It's a, it's mine. Well, we learnt, we've learned also in our day and age that that sum of money that supposedly could never disappear also can disappear because you never held, you never had it. But forgetting that, the idea that when the Torah says, or when God's saying, this year is Shabbat, leave it alone, not just to give us a couple of more rules, burden us with some more responsibilities, as all of us have understood the whole Torah in that context. Burden, laws, religion, difficult to you know while the Jew could remove himself from religion very difficult to take religion out of the Jew this concept <laughs> no matter even if he doesn't observe I mean, 
his understanding. This was not this was not the idea. The idea is that there are certain times there are certain times there are certain times when when we can experience and connect with a concept which is beyond the rational mind beyond the rational mind but according to the Zohar and the Torah it's very operable on a very mundane physical level the idea that we can remove empty space when we asked why is it that the Jew or it was necessary says the Zohar when the Jew entered the land of Israel no longer would there be dinim or as we now explain it no longer would there be empty space why did it require I mean what happened before they got there Before they got to the land of Israel, before they got to the land of Israel, meaning what? What's the land of Israel? That within the land of Israel, this potentiality, potentiality, like by Jacob, that empty space could be removed. Empty space, a phenomenon. That empty space could be removed from our existence. Does that mean, does that mean this space as we know it would be removed? No. Because what we see, we've already discussed this in the classes, is an illusion. The rational mind, as many times as we repeat the idea, and as many times as we can convince ourselves that really this is all illusion. Time, space, emotion is an illusion. An illusion, yes, but now that I'm hungry, I still have to go to the supermarket and buy, buy some food. The body, the body, the physical consciousness does not, does not, or shall I say, prevents us from accepting this principle. Does that mean the principle now does not exist? Because the rational mind cannot fathom the idea that at times, I can decree, I can decree that there is no empty space. That I can sit on this chair, conduct my business, don't have to move. I don't have to get involved of going from place to place. This concept that man controls the halal, the chaos, the space in the universe. This idea is so revolutionary and it's difficult because if the Zohar in one word is trying to explain this passage of Shabbat Lashem Menucha, what does it mean Menucha? Menucha means devoid of action. Devoid of action. Everything. Everything is left to the conscious mind but we have a problem with the conscious mind conscious mind says there's chaos all around me there's space all around me I can with my mind come to a realization that all of this doesn't exist that I can sit home yes and someone's going to bring you food in your own home possible yes 
Someone thought of bringing me a, a basket of fruit as a present. I need food. It can happen. Does it happen every day? Of course not. So therefore, space becomes part of my life. <laughs> Chaos, says the Torah. And this was the essential feature of what happened on Mount Sinai. Why is Mount Sinai directly related to this concept? And not to why thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. Remember, we began off by saying, the first verse says, and God said to Moses on, the, on Mount Sinai, the following. What did he tell him? When you come to the land, leave the land fallow. The concept of fallow. On Mount Sinai, that's what he told them on Mount Sinai. Didn't tell them anything else? No. No. Didn't tell them anything else. All he told them was this. What does that mean? What is Mount Sinai? Now we're coming to Shavuot. We don't even know what Shavuot means. We call it revelation. Well, we have to explain what does it mean, revelation. Oh, revelation means God revealed the Torah for us. A bunch of rules. A bunch of rules that we don't even adhere to. Does the world adhere to thou shalt not kill? The world really abides by those rules. Thou shalt not steal. How many people keep the Shabbat the way it should be? Ten commandments. Look what was revealed on Mount Sinai. Something that was revealed. Adultery. We keep those rules. Don't keep any of the rules. Children kill their parents today. What rules? What rules? What do you mean revelation of rules? This was a revelation? The moral codes of the universe were revealed. What moral? If they were of such import, how come the world doesn't even... Pay any attention to any of the rules. Because the concept of revelation was distorted. We think that what was revealed, a new religion, also another idea. The Jews received a new religion on Mount Sinai. This was what was revealed. Right here in this Pasha, says the Zohar, when it says, on Mount Sinai, I told you about the fields. Look how coded it is. Not coded. All he told us on Mount Sinai was about the field. That the field should remain fallow. Even tell us that on Mount Sinai you told the, the Jew to keep Shabbat. We begin to understand it. But there's no mention of the fields on Mount Sinai. And yet he's saying this is all that was mentioned on Mount Sinai. That question is enough and should be enough to lead us into an understanding and, and raise the question. What do you mean on Mount Sinai, this is what I told you? Because in this one verse, we get the definition of what revelation meant. What revelation means. Revelation meant. Reveal. Like when a room is dark, you light a match. What happens? Well, before the match was lit, 
if it's in a big auditorium, I can't see the I can't see the the second wall at the end of the room. Oh, if I walk to the end of the room and I smack my head into the wall, I realize there's a wall there. I gotta walk, and then I smack my head, and then into that wall, and then I realize there's a wall. I like the match. What happens? Instantaneously, I don't have to walk to get to that wall. Instantaneously, I see the wall. That's revelation. What happened? The empty space disappeared. When it's dark, there's space in the room. You walk, try to feel. When you light that match, the room is lit. No empty space no more. Well, isn't there any space between me and, and the other wall? I see it instantaneously. Well, don't you have to walk there? No, I don't have to walk to find out if there's a wall. I already perceive it. It's already there. It's right next to me. I don't have to do go through the effort of walking. On Mount Sinai, Revelation, Shavuot. Shavuot, from the same word of, of Shabbat, all in the same framework. Revelation. Yes, it means revelation. What was revealed? What was revealed was the disappearance. Revealed was the essences were, were, were only revealed. What do you mean they were only revealed? That's right. That if I have to get from, from this chair to the table, this empty space, the form of chaos, disappeared. Because space, time, space, and motion is the only chaos that we have to experience. Remember, I don't want to go through the, an hour and a half again of explaining how chaos and empty space are synonymous. But if you walk away from this session, if you can only register, and after listening to what the Zohar had to tell us, it sounds reasonable, supported by science, space, empty space, and chaos are synonymous. Not chaos means they're killing people. Not chaos means there's a depression. Not chaos means uh, there, there, there's conflict in a family relationship. Those are the manifested states of empty space. Chaos is empty space. Why? Because then you can begin to remove it with your mind. You will never resolve, as we haven't resolved in 2,000 years. Chaos on the physical level. We finish one war, we're to the next. We finish one recession, we're almost into the next. Up and down, up and down. Everything reverts back to where it was. We've gone through what? A motion of three years, five years, ten years. It's as if, if you took out the, the bottom or the tops, it would be one line. The only thing that, the only thing that the graph is filled with is what? Notice the line? The rest of it is what? Space. Space. The line is nothing. If you didn't have the space to visualize the line, you wouldn't see anything. Space is what governs every action. Space is what has convinced us, and space is Satan, convincing us 
convincing us that space is not a problem. The physical manifested state of chaos is the problem. Now let's address the physical state of chaos. We have a, a, a health problem, a health, a health uh, uh, cost problem in the United States. And the truth is, if it's not resolved, there must be a depression in the next few months. Everyone is still living on the expectation that uh, the miracle is coming. Look how stupid we all are. I mean, why would this one person or this one woman come up with a plan that will resolve a problem that's been persistent since when? People don't get sick. Is that what she's going to recommend now? Nobody gets sick. It's one way to reduce. Or is there any other way to reduce the health bill? What happens, as the graph shows us, more illnesses occurring, not less. We need more hospital build, uh, beds. We need more psychiatric wards than ever before. So the fact, what is being reduced? And everyone is awaiting this great reform of the health problem. Well, that can never resolve it. Never. Even if you think this one woman is, is a miracle worker. And yet, the world is waiting. The world, not only the United States. Because if this country is thrust into a depression where there is absolutely, absolutely, no, no possible reason why this country should not be in a depression in, 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 in four or five months. No reason. No reason. Except one idea. The thought expectation that the solution is there. Look what it does. People still spend money. Although it's going down a little because it's taking longer than we thought. We already thought by May 1st she would have the solution. So now we have a thought, maybe there's a solution, and that keeps the economy going. The market goes up. Everything is going up. And yet everyone knows the problem is there. Look what thought can do to create positivity when positivity doesn't even exist. When there is really no basis for this optimism. No basis for it. If you look clearly, no basis for the optimism. But look at what the conscious mind of optimism can do. Can with, withstand the onslaught of a recession, meanwhile. The thought. The thought. That what? The problem doesn't exist. I mean, what does it mean she's coming up with a solution? Meaning there won't be a problem. Thought, unfortunately, because we have not been, we have not been uh, taught or programmed to keep this optimism going, because Satan is not full of optimism. He knows ultimately his objective, his goal is what? Chaos, empty space, empty space. When the Zohar says that when, when the Jew 
would come into Israel, this idea, this potentiality of removal of space, the removal of dinim, could take place, it was also providing us with the methodology. Number one, empty space is chaos. Remove empty space, you have removed all forms of chaos. Removed all forms of chaos. Fortunately, time does not permit me how, how this is applies to the removal of, of the health problem. This is health reform. Health reform is not by enacting whatever they're going to enact, new laws, new taxes, new this, new that, new restrictions. My friends, it's such an illusion. It's the graph that goes up and down all the time. If we can change the consciousness, well, how does that happen? Well, when you'll explain to me how I can have a negative pole and a positive pole in a bulb, and these two create light. I'm not talking about the mechanics. How in the world can two opposites create light? Create revelation. Two opposites. Not only two poles of ones and, and uh, similar thoughts. Create light. What happens when there's light? Removes a lot of difficulties. Even in this mundane world, we understand that light does remove empty space. When I can see the light, constantly, if I can see the light of day in my business, everything is the light. To see. Well, it requires more than just seeing. What about doing? No. If I can only see. That's right. What prevents us from seeing? Time. There's a space called yesterday and tomorrow. Everything is space. If we can eliminate, how do we eliminate it? Can we eliminate it? Zola says, yes, we can eliminate it. By tapping in Israel. And that's why the stress was on the land of Israel. Because nothing happened until the conscious mind of the Jew made it happen. But that's all that was necessary. The rest of the rules about not lighting a match a Shabbat, or not working the fields. What was, why was that necessary? It wasn't a burden, no rules. But if you honestly believe in your consciousness that you can bridge the sixth year to the eighth year, then why are you, why are you planting the fields? It's a whole different perspective of what, the, what those rules are about. God is not telling us, do this, do that, don't do that, don't do that. It has nothing to do with rules. Do with consciousness. On Shabbat, you can tap, and that's why it's so important when we read that Torah. That's why Shavuot is so important. Shavuot is, is such an unimportant holiday for Jews all around the world today. You know how many people, especially now, that Shavuot... It, it, it falls in the middle of the week and now conflicts 
you know, conflicts with a daily schedule, you have maybe 1%, and that might be too high of a figure, of Jews around the world that will be involved with Shavuot this year. And yet, what we would be tapping is a source of energy of Mount Sinai. What does it mean? To tap, to tap an energy that is not governed by empty space. Not governed by empty space. Now, if you trust, when I say trust, I mean you're convinced. We're not stupid. We're not being asked by God to accept it. But in the absence of removing chaos and the, in the absence of any other solutions, try this one. Try this one. This one at least gets to the root of the problem. Empty space. on Shavuot. Revelation. What does it mean, revelation? The removal of empty space. In your, in your affairs, your daily affairs, you have a power now. That's what it says. Shabbat. If you do the Shabbat right, the rest of the week is under your control. What, what does that mean, the rest of the week? Yes. Because the rest of the week means time and space and motion. If you don't disturb, if you don't disturb this connection, well, how do you disturb it? Desecrate it. If you in your mind do not create the, the, the empty space, that's what it means, do not desecrate. It doesn't mean do not desecrate. Do not, do not inject the idea of kalal, the idea of what? Of empty space in your mind. Keep that. You have an opportunity to tap the energy of non-spatial, non-spatial, uh, physicality in this physical universe. It's the only way we can change anything, anything in our lives, rather than going up through Satan gives us a couple of good days, Couple of bad days, couple of good years, couple of bad years. This is this is the cycle of mankind. Never changes. People say they don't want to change. You have to go through changes. Unfortunately, there's health up and down. And we go through changes. People are afraid of spirituality because it might require changes in my life. Stupid. You're gonna to have to go through changes anyway. This change? It's a change that will bring the end of change. Amen. Amen.